0: On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank, we preview Bedlam with the big fella, Robert Allen. No one is more dialed into Oklahoma State football than Robert, so we break down this weekend's big game from every angle with him in the National College Football Roundup. We bring you the latest news in college football and preview some of the marquee games of the weekend, including Indiana-Ohio State. We give you our winners and losers of the week, and wet the beak with the fantastic Thursday night football game between the Cardinals and Seahawks. To finish up, we try to figure out who plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder now after all the trades and the draft in keeping it local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. I'll make Michael Oste will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, November 19th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. Now we're recording this on Wednesday night. During the middle of the NBA draft, the Thunder have not drafted anyone yet. There are rumors of trades. We will address it in keeping it local, but I feel like I need a flow chart and like some (laughs) equations to plug numbers in to figure out what Sam Presti and the Thunder are doing. The last couple of days have been – there's just too many things happening, Teddy. It's impossible to keep track of.
1: We need, we need to devise a Thunder draft trade algorithm where you just plug it in it spits out what's going to happen or what has happened.
0: When, when we talk about it and keeping it local, maybe I'll just be like, okay, Teddy, does this guy still play for the Thunder or not? And we'll go through a list.
1: Will he ever set foot in Oklahoma City?
0: But we, we have a great interview with Robert Allen, who, of course, uh, is on the Cowboy Radio Network. For Oklahoma State does a great job as their sideline reporter I mean he literally stands right next to Mike Gundy the entire game I mean no (laughs) one is plugged into Oklahoma State football like Robert Allen Teddy
1: I'm convinced that in one ear of his headset is the radio broadcast and in the other ear is the coach's channel and he's listening in to Mike Gundy what's going on there because He's tied in. If anyone knows what's going on out there, it's Robert Allen. So that's, it's fun interview.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt. So we, we talk all angles of Bedlam. Uh, but first, we got a few OU notes. Uh, so let's get to that. And that's brought to you by Will & Wiley Hard Seltzer. Guys, stop acting like you're too manly and just accept it. Hard seltzers are amazing, and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Will & Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. It's made in Oklahoma, and it is absolutely delicious. Will & Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at at Will & Wiley. If you're drinking some because of us, tag us in your social media post to let them know. And just let you know, as the weather gets colder, so does the Will and & Wiley, and it's still in, it's still. I just came up with that on the spot. Was that Was that horrible it. or great? I can't nope. decide.
1: That's it's perfect. Sometimes you know the greatest songs you just write instantly, and it's same thing with the Will and Wiley taglines, Gabe.
0: Boom. Okay, so a few OU notes before we talk Bedlam with Robert Allen. Braden Willis is back practicing, so this is a guy that has had some bad luck this year, right? Has you know has had missed a couple games because of coronavirus contact tracing, all those things, and then got rolled up, injured his knee, has missed several weeks since then, but he's back out there, and I think that's important. Teddy, with OU going in this game, with Austin Stogner's status being very much up in the air after he took that big shot against Kansas to the quad, it's important that Willis is healthy and available for this one.
1: Yeah. No, I, I don't think there's any doubt. You know, whenever we've got everyone healthy at that position, it's as good as any uh, group, probably the best group of HVACs, tight ends in the country. Well, you slash two legs out of that thing, well, all of a sudden you're looking pretty thin there. Uh, so I think it'd be awesome to get Braden Willis back. Um, you know, even if it's some uh, in-line tight end blocking or something like that, just give you some added depth there, it would be great. Uh, you know, Stogner, Coach Riley hasn't been very forthcoming as, as far as what Stogner's status is. I think it's smokescreen. I think he's going to play. Um, you know, he doesn't really have the availability with Spencer Rattler to say that he's not sure what's going to happen because he went back in the football game and, and played quite a bit. Uh, with Stogner, he didn't go back in the game. So he's kind of got the ability to be discreet there and and uh, not exactly tell them what, what's going to happen there. So I think we see Stogner. Um, I hope we see Braden Willis have that full complement of H-backs tight ends there because that's a big weapon. And I'll ask you, you know, did you ever take a big shot at tight end? Oh, my like, gosh. So, like, my question is because what I've loved recently is they've started throwing vertical, hitting Stogner down the scene and after taking that knee that helmet to the quad or to the knee i just wonder now like how do you put that out of your mind whenever that next ball's coming and you're turned you know there's a safety in the middle of the field here it comes buddy you're used to them going high or going midsection now you took one low start to get some alligator arms back there well
0: you have to yeah i understand what you're saying like now, when you're playing and you're worrying about what route you're supposed to run and what the defense is doing, like, you yeah, don't think, hey. so
1: fast you don't have time. Yeah,
0: hey, I'm an, I'm an alligator on of this sort of a bitch. Like, you, you right. don't really think of, about that. That's kind of an in-the-moment reaction. But, you know, it's been a long time since I played, played tight end. But it, it always came down to me trusting that the quarterback wasn't putting me in a shitty spot. That was it, and the the weird thing about the Stogner thing is it it was on a free play, right? Remember Kansas yep. jumps, so they so Rattler does the smart thing and pushes it down the field, but gets his big tight end you know chopped down like a tree. And so, it to me for Stogner it it has to come down to him trusting Rattler, and and that happens in practice because. That's where you develop that trust, right? Because the guys on the scout team, they can't hit you, right? And nobody on the first team defense, when you're going good on good, is going to hit Austin Stogner, right? Because they know how important he is to the football team. But if Rattler puts him in those positions in practice, yeah, in a game he might get out there and be like, oh, I don't
1: know about this one. Right. Yeah. No, I – I don't know. I think that's interesting, and, and I'm at, we're going to see it. If he plays, you know, they're going to use him, and they're going to take him down the seam and try and use the that advantage, that that height and size advantage there uh, going vertical, so I, I hope he's back. I think he will be.
0: Yeah, and I, I think they'll definitely try to do it if Colby Harvell Peel doesn't play, and we talked to our man, Robert Allen, about who's healthy, who's not for Oklahoma State as they head into Bedlam. And as always, he was fantastic. And here's our interview with Robert. It is our pleasure to be joined by the most dialed-in man in Oklahoma State football. You can find him on pokesreport.com. You can hear his beautiful voice on the Cowboy Radio Network. He will be the man standing right next to Mike Gundy all game. Robert Allen is in the house. Big guy, what is going on?
2: Just getting ready for uh, for Saturday. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll find out.
1: Are you doubling as, the, so you're the sideline guy for the radio. Do you double as the get back coach too? Is that what's going on there? Getting uh, all the players
2: back? No, no, no. <laughs> Just like most schools, the strength staff is the get back. And unfortunately, sometimes I get so keyed up <laughs> that the get-back coach actually swings their their arm or their elbow into my chest and knocks (laughs) me back. So that's my fault for being too close. But uh, now Gary Calcagno, Rob Glass, and that group, they they handle the get-back.
3: Yeah,
0: you could do it. You could do it if you had to, Robert. Now, but
2: but I'd rather focus on the game. You know, I don't want to look at the players and see who's getting in the way and knocking them back, so –
0: completely understand. Now, be, before we get into some of the matchups uh, that are going to be on the field on Saturday in Bedlam, I did want to take a look back, right? Uh, Oklahoma State did enough to beat Kansas State, right? In Manhattan, never an easy thing to do, but uh, don't think they looked great doing it. Had a ton of guys banged up for that football game. How important was the bye week for them and have they gotten healthy heading into this game
2: yeah let me start with this because you guys both played and know this um uh, you win a game like oklahoma state won at kansas state and you remember it and it actually feels better than if you go out and you win one easily that you kind of take for granted but you win one that that you've got to fight, scratch, claw all the way down to the wire to win. So I think they came out of there with a pretty good attitude. As far as the bye week, it was critical. Um, You know, Tylen Wallace's injury was a groin that happened in the middle of the week in practice. Um, You know, you guys saw him go in on the hands team and and actually played a pretty pretty big role knocking the ball out of bounds. He's fine. You know, the running backs, all of it – almost all of it, including Spencer, was, was kind of the, the typical midseason aches, you know, partial separations, bruises, all that kind of stuff. I think they'll be healthier Saturday than they've been since the Tulsa game. In fact, they, the two offensive linemen that got hurt against Tulsa in the first quarter or the first half, they came back this week. Now, I don't think they can play. You know how long it takes for an offensive lineman that misses two months to get back into game shape, but they you know, Oklahoma state will be pretty healthy for this. I don't think they'll, they'll have any excuses. The one, the one concern you would have is Harvell Peel because he didn't, he didn't even trip to Manhattan and his injury was maybe a little more serious, but um, we'll see. I mean, there's still a couple of days before Saturday.
1: I'll tell you what I think is interesting. And, you know, I thought Oklahoma state was going to have a, a pretty good defense with all the experience and, you know, it's not just experience that they had coming back. They had good football players coming back. But I didn't expect them to be winning games 16-7, 27-13, 24-21. I mean, this is completely different to what we've seen Oklahoma State football the last, you know, five, ten years. How's that been playing out there? You know, just kind of philosophically, the difference this year from what we've seen in the past. How are the players kind of feeding off of that?
2: Well, the the interesting thing is, is to see the way the coaches play it, Uh, particularly the head coach making decisions on – you know, Mike Gundy was pretty free about going on fourth downs, anywhere in the midfield range, fourth and one, even fourth and two. Sometimes he'd go for it. He plays to the defense now. He's trying to give the defense every advantage. So that – philosophically, Teddy, that's changed. You play, you play a different game when you're trying to help the defense versus trying to juice the offense. Uh, as far as the players, I mean, even guys that are the, the big playmakers on offense, like Chuba Hubbard, Tylen Wallace, Spencer Sanders, all of those guys, you see them going down to the defensive end of the bench, patting those guys on the back, cheering them on. Um, and honestly, because I – you know, I, would, I wasn't that good as a walk-on, but I played defense. So I, I enjoy seeing good defense. And it's been a while since we've really seen, like you said, not you know, 2011, Oklahoma State had a good defense in that they forced a ton of turnovers. But they weren't stoppers. These guys are stoppers, and they're good tacklers. That's probably been the most fun thing to watch is uh, I was talking to, to, to Trace uh, Ford today, and I asked him about Stevenson. Cause I mean, that guy's a, he's a bulldozer. And he goes, you know what? We're getting good coaching. We, we, we understand we've got to get his legs. And, uh, and so that's, again, that just kind of tells you the mindset of them as tacklers. And the other thing they've done is they haven't had too many targeting issues. So they've been doing it at least the way modern, modern football wants you to tackle. They haven't been leading with the head and, Getting them into a lot of problems with that, so it's been fun to watch
0: now robert let 's stick with that Oklahoma state defense because it uh, I feel like it's undoubtedly been the strength of this football team and they're even though they 've missed some guys, you know some guys have been in and out the last couple of games with some injuries. They still played at a high level, but it seems like a group that does a lot of things well, but the thing they're doing that's the most significant in my mind is they're getting off the field on third down. Uh, I mean, they're doing a great job of getting off the field and what do you think has been the key to that success on third down for them?
2: I think two things. One in passing situations, even if they don't get a sack, they've been able to pressure quarterbacks. They've been able to make the quarterback throw off time. And you guys know when you, you make a quarterback throw, sooner than he wants to, generally, it's not good. Uh, and maybe maybe he gets lucky, but more times than not, you're going to force incompletions. Uh, the other thing is tackling in space. Even when, and, and we saw it against Kansas State a couple of times, even when um, a ball carrier or a receiver on a, on a short intermediate pass gets the ball in space, you know, the corners, the safeties, the linebackers all do a good job of even one-on-one tackling. And that's where you get a lot of third down stops. I mean, I can remember one play in particular. It was third and eight. Kansas State completed a really nice pass out in the perimeter, and the tackle was made one yard shy of the, of the sticks. Well, okay, that's a seven-yard gain. Looks good in the book. But if it's one shy of the first down, you're getting off the field. So they're not always getting off the field because they're stuffing people. They're getting off the field because they're they're keeping them from getting to the chain. So it's it's been, yeah, it's been successful. And then the Santa Fe package with Ford, the previously mentioned Ford and Calvin Bundage. You yeah, know, I'm still trying to figure out how Calvin Bundage does what he does because he's not that big a guy. He is quick. But he's just got a knack for getting off blocks and getting back and almost like a gnat a, a and, and bothering a quarterback. Um, he's pretty good at being just disruptive.
1: Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you about Sanders because with, with the way the defense is, is playing, you know, fantastic. Really, all three levels are, are playing great. You know, they're keeping people from converting those third downs as we just hit, keeping people out of the end zone, forcing some good timely turnovers offensively running game, not what it was a year ago, but it's still effective. And um, obviously with with Chuba and LD doing a good job there, and you got Tyler Wallace back. It feels like Spencer Sanders has kind of – quarterback's been holding back this offense. How much do you think the – like? because this was supposed to be the big year for for Spencer Sanders. How much did missing spring, missing summer – uh, the awkward training camp, how much did that set back his, uh, you know, the way he was evolving as a quarterback? And this was supposed to be where he took those big steps. Did that set him back a lot? You
2: know, we'll never know if I'm going to be right on my answer here.
1: I don't think
2: the pandemic and missing spring, that's three spring practices. In fact, I thought it was funny the day the NCAA tournament and everything, all spring sports were canceled. That was the day of the third spring practice. And, again, it was supposed to be one of those pajama practices that the NCAA makes you do, the acclimatization. And Gundy switched it to full pads because he knew it was going to be the last spring practice. So they went out and did a three-hour full pad practice. But I don't think missing all that bothered him. I think the thing that got him off a stride – and off development for this season was getting hurt in the first series against Tulsa, missing those games. Spencer, guys, is an emotional guy. He's, he's, you know, a lot of quarterbacks are are chilly. He's not chilly. He's fire. And I think what happened with him was uh, he kind of burned a little bit uh, on the sidelines watching the freshman, Shane Illingworth, have some success and being so fired up to get the season started and having his season stop on the first series, I think missing that next two or – what it was, two or three games. It was uh, West Virginia, Kansas, and they had the open week, and, and he was back for Iowa State. Actually, three straight weeks they were off before they played Iowa State. I think all of that time, you know, think, about, um, think about when you're a kid waiting to open your gifts at Christmas. It just drives you nuts. Your skin's crawling. You can't wait to wake up the next morning. I think he went through a period after that Tulsa injury for five, six weeks. He was just beside himself not being able to play. And I think
1: you felt I felt like you had to awesome. come back and, and prove it all on the first throw. Every, yeah, every and I
2: think I think he's he actually played pretty good against Iowa State. He played really good against Texas, except for the turnovers. But and then got you know you, you know the next week turnovers were were preached every every moment of practice. Take care of the ball against Kansas State. He took care of the ball, but guess what? It was almost like he was neutered. Talk he didn't rough. make any big plays. He he was so so conservative. You took out the. Uh, You took out the explosive plays.
0: Yeah, Robert, I I completely agree with your assessment of the way he played against Kansas State. It just didn't look like the same guy to me. Um, What version of Spencer Sanders has to show up on Saturday in Norman for Oklahoma State to win this game? Because it seems like he's got to be better than what we've seen so far this season, like he has to play in my mind he has to play really well for them to win this football game with the way that Oklahoma is playing coming into this one
2: I think he at least needs to be a good point guard and compliment and get the ball in the hands of you know the guys that can make plays I don't think he has to make all the plays but they're better when he has that big scramble that moves the chains or gets him in position for a touchdown or even scores uh you know what he needs to be? And I wrote a story on this today. Spencer, to this day, anybody want to guess what his best game as a starting quarterback has been? Probably Oregon State. The very first one, Teddy. You nailed it. I mean, he he threw for over 200 yards. He was like 19 of well, 20. They were, they, were,
1: they were supposed to pull him out at half, right? And yeah, yeah. Up guys and they just played him the whole game.
2: Oh, well, the, you, he, he made it so that you couldn't take him out. You'd have look stupid if you took Spencer Sanders out of that game because he, he ran for over 100, threw for 203 touchdowns, no interceptions, no fumbles. If you remember, he was so comfortable with what he was doing, he had that uh, hurdle in the – I think it was in the second quarter, hurdled one of their defenders. You don't go pulling stuff like that unless you're really comfortable out there. <laughs> I,
0: so, I, remember, I remember watching him in that game and going – QB controversy, my ass. Look at this kid.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, he's still – that's the crazy thing. You go out and you play your very best game in college in your first game, and people have been waiting to see him play like that again since. He's had a couple that were close. TCU a year ago was really good. You know, the Baylor game, the first three quarters of the Baylor game last year were awesome. And then he threw – three picks in the fourth quarter. I mean, and I agree with Gabe. He needs to be – he needs to not only be careful with the football, but he needs to find that happy medium where he's aggressive enough to make big plays. You
1: know, I, I think whatever you look at the two rosters, top to bottom, if you go position by position and compare them across the board, I think this may be as equal – as we've seen the rosters for the starters, Oklahoma's deeper, which they're always going to be deeper. But for the starters, I feel like it's about as equal as we've seen, except for one, and that's the offensive line for Oklahoma State. And whenever you look at that matchup against the defensive line, which the last two or three weeks for Oklahoma has really come alive, how do you see them trying to slow down that pass rush, neutralize what Oklahoma's really – you know, gain that momentum defensively there with their up front guys? Well, the young,
2: the young guys in the offensive line, they've got two young guys playing in there are going to have to play the best games they've ever played. Uh, I do have a lot of faith. Charlie Dickey's a heck of an offensive line coach. In fact, that's one of Mike Gundy's best best coaching hires when, when he lost, you know, a really good offensive line coach in Josh Henson to A&M. I mean, within 24 hours, he'd hired Charlie Dickey. Um, but, yeah, I think that's a pressure point. And I think if I'm Oklahoma, if I'm Alex Grinch, I'm, I'm coming. I'm coming with those. And here's the other thing, too. Oklahoma does something, uh, and they're consistent about doing it. They stunt like crazy. They're probably an 80% stunt team. Tackle in twist, double twist, uh, pirate. I mean, they, they run they run the gamut. On, um, on stunts up front well, against a young offensive line, you figure that's going to be effective. So, you know, because you got two guys in there that haven't been doing this all that long at this level. So, you know, I'm anxious to see how it works. I'm also anxious to see what Casey Dunn and Mike Gundy might do from a scheme standpoint, because there are things you can do to, to cause defenses to put on the brakes up front. And I'm sure they're going to try some of those things, you know, screens and and uh, draws and and you know some of that stuff. So, um, you know, it'll it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Oklahoma State's pretty good about getting the ball out quickly on the perimeter, so if they can do that, some that that might lead to some success. But there's no doubt that offensive line is going to have to play uh, way above what they played. I do think this seeing Kansas State's defensive line because of the quality of defensive line K-State has, it's not just Wyatt Hubert.
1: Both ends are good. Yeah, 29, then, I think, is one of the more underrated players in, in the conference. Duke,
0: yeah, Duke's good. Well, the Massey kid is good.
1: Yeah, uh, Drew uh, – is it Drew
2: Wiley? Drew – yeah, I think it's Drew Wiley, yeah. the defensive tackle. Yeah, he's I – mean, I mean, he's all Big 12.
0: He's so. – he's for interior guys, he's leading the Big 12 in tackles for loss. I mean, he, exactly. he's a productive player.
2: So I do think that was a good um, warm-up act to, to face this, this OU defensive line. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what the, uh, we'll see what the guys can do, but I do think they'll be healthier there. The one guy that could be back and that would give them some options how they line up is Springfield. So um, yeah and that, that, that means you could play sills at tackle. you could play sills at guard depending on what you want to do there.
0: Robert uh, I feel like in Bedlam we we've seen some guys that end up kind of being the hero of the game that maybe you didn't expect right is there anyone you, you we know Chuba is going to do some things we know Tylen Wallace is going to do some things in this football game but like is there anyone for Oklahoma State offensively that you think could have kind of a breakout game and make a name for himself in Bedlam you think anybody can do something like that
2: you know, I got I got three guys. I mean, obviously LD Brown because you know he, he's actually average, averaging more yards per carry than Chuba, and LD's he's legit. Um, but I, I I would throw in the senior Dylan Stoner. Stoner's always a guy that can make plays. I thought, you know, I thought going back to the Texas game, he had a reception that I thought was unbelievable, that was taken away from and The the replay came back and. And they ruled that, that the ball hit the ground. Yeah, I, 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 was, I was of the mind that it didn't alter the catch. So I kind of was a little frustrated with it. And it turned out I talked to uh, the guy who graded it from the Big 12 office. And, and he said, yeah, we, we kind of thought that could have stood instead of being first. <laughs> I said, well, I did too. But no, Dylan Stoner, LD Brown, and, and then the young pop. I'm telling you, Brennan Presley does a lot of impressive things, and he scored, scored the touchdown at K-State. The guy had the, uh, had the angle on him, and he just turned the Jets on and was able to get into the end zone. The more he gives confidence to the coaching staff, I think the more you're likely to see some of him. So I would throw those three names out there as possibilities for, like you said, Gabe, being the, the unlikely hero of the day.
1: You think there's a mental edge either way in this football game? You know, it, it feels like if you just step back a little bit, that maybe the pressure's on Oklahoma State, um, kind of where they sit in the standings, uh, the way they were kind of picked preseason, and th- this team has been hyped up with the guys coming back. Uh, they took the loss there against Texas, but still have all those goals right there in front of them. And then you've got an Oklahoma team who – needs help right now to make the Big 12 championship. And it's like, you know, hey, we've already lost two games. We just go out there and cut it loose and see what happens. Is that – do you see it that way? Or do you see maybe Oklahoma State has an edge? Or is it just there, there's nothing there?
2: I, I don't know that there – I don't know. And I'll tell, I'll tell you why. I think the 2020 – and that, this has not been a motto that I've heard from players, but it's one that – Every time something happens uh, with our radio crew, Hunziker will say, "Hey guys, it's 2020." <laughs> Almost like this is a this is an excuse. Take it as 2020. Right. Whatever happens, happens. And I think I think to a degree, you know, I do think that these guys want to win the Big 12. That's their goal. But I think they also, every week, they have kind of a an attitude of thank thank God we get to play football again, which is a good attitude to have. And these guys have had it every week. You hear the players, you know, they'll even say it. Hey, we're playing football, man. We're playing football. So I don't true, know. But it's that, taken away early like
1: that. You know, Oklahoma hadn't had that problem. That's true.
2: So, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, Texas and Kansas this week already, and I'm hearing, I'm hearing there may be some issues next week with some of the teams that have buys this week. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll have to see on that. And if, if that happens, you know, if Oklahoma state loses another game, I'm trying to figure out what they're going to do because they've already played. I got a game on the 12th in Waco. There's no more, there's no more weekends. Mm-hmm. So if, if somebody can't play Oklahoma state and I, and I don't think Oklahoma state's going to screw this up because Guys, they, they've had six positives since their first game. That's it during the season. So, you know, that nobody went home last weekend on the bye week. These guys really want to play football. So, they've been pretty careful about what they're doing.
0: Well, I like hearing that because Teddy and I talked about it on our last episode, the last thing we want is for – COVID-19 to have a big role in this football game. I think that's the last thing that any Oklahoma or Oklahoma State fan wants. That would suck if there were yeah. some big you know, key players missing from this game, Robert.
2: Yeah, I, and I don't think – again, I don't think it'll happen for two reasons. One, no one's giving out names, but I got a pretty good feeling over the summer because OSU does release how many positives there have been since June 1st there've been a bunch and I think a lot of the football team and a lot of the men's basketball team, it's just gone through those teams early. Uh, But like I said, since the Tulsa kickoff on the 19th, there've been six positives in football and five of them have been either coaches or staffers. So one player in three months. So this team's in pretty good shape when it comes to COVID. And certainly it looks like Oklahoma has been in pretty good shape since you know, maybe the Missouri State game—it sounded like a lot of guys were out, but it seems like since then they've been in good shape.
1: That's my herd immunity theory, Gabe.
2: I mean, that's I, the, I, late,
0: that's, the layman theory. You
2: know what? I'm glad you said it, and I didn't, because that's been that's been my theory all along, and it's not popular <laughs> because
1: yeah, I mean, you're, you're no talking about guys that's getting That's why it. Gabe lets me say it. <laughs> there you go. So. Well, you got a prediction? I, at the end of the day, what do you think is going to happen here? I mean, I'll just tell you right up front, I think it's going to be a, a, a touchdown game. I got Oklahoma winning by a touchdown, but I think it's going to be low scoring. Played in the I,
2: I think the winner is either in the high 20s or low 30s. So I, I, I think uh, on another media outlet, I said 31-28 Oklahoma State. I'll stay with that. I here Here's one thing. No one's talking about this, but I think this game has the two best kickers in the Big Twelve. And well, I don't know. The guy from Tech last week was impressive, coming out of nowhere. But you know, Gabe Burk—was it mm-hmm. Is That how you pronounce it? Yeah. Okay. And then Alex Hale, the Australian for Oklahoma State's, he's been almost spotless. So if it comes down to a field goal late. I think both Mike Gundy and Lincoln Riley can feel pretty good about their chances.
0: Yeah. I think it's going to be a good one, boys. Um, Robert, uh, as always, man, uh, really appreciate the time. Everybody go check out all of Robert's stuff at pokesreport.com. Now, don't listen to his radio broadcast because you should listen to our (laughs) radio broadcast during the game. But still, hey, I always appreciate the time, man. Thank you.
2: Well, and, and I will say this because of Sirius, and I know you're on Sirius every day, Sirius XM in the afternoon with Ollie, But I love the fact that just about any time we want, even on replays, we can tune into the other networks. Because I, I learn stuff, and I, you guys kind of improvise the the tag team sideline deal. And then I told uh, Toby this the other day. There's probably not a better X and O color guy in the booth than Teddy Lehman. And I, I, I do, enjoy agree. Listening. I enjoy listening to Teddy because here's the trick. He talks X's and O's, but he talks it where someone like my wife can understand it. And that's pretty good when you can take X's and O's and dumb them down to where just about anybody, not just a football crazed person can understand it. So that's, that's a trick.
1: I appreciate that. That really means a whole lot, man. I I appreciate that. And I've been dumbing things down my whole life, trust me. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't we all? All
2: right,
1: Robert. Thanks, man.
2: Thanks, guys.
0: Man, no one knows more about Oklahoma State football. uh, Unless you're on the actual staff or the actual team, no one knows more about Oklahoma State football than Robert Allen.
1: And I'm telling you, I'm still not fully convinced that he's not on, like, the group text message with the coaches or, or however they play that out because he knows everything now, whether or not he's going to be forthcoming with everything that he knows is a different story, but there's some nice little nuggets in there.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right, Teddy, let's move on to call your shot. That's brought to you by rock and roll tequila. Rock and roll tequila is the ultra premium tequila that hits all the right notes. It's won all kinds of awards for its superior taste and smooth finish To find a store that has it, visit rockandrolltequila.com or check out their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This stuff is fantastic. If you don't want to take my word for it, maybe you'll listen to this guy.
2: This is Coach Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, our Añejo called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. Our defiantly unique guitar shaped bottles make it easy to find and you'll love the ultra premium quality and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious? Start the party with rock and roll.
0: And we asked you, to make your boldest claim about Bedlam this weekend. And this one comes from at Sooner Nader on Twitter. Sooner Nader. Nice. He says, I think this is going to be close. One possession game throughout the entirety of the game. OU's defense holds up mostly throughout the game. Offense has woes, makes mistakes, keeps OSU in it, might see some rain. Wait, is this supposed to rain for Bedlam?
1: I have not seen that. The last time I checked the weather, it looked like it was going to be cloudy, seventy-two degrees. About the best weather we we've seen in this matchup in a long time. It's usually like single digits. It, it seems like so. I haven't seen that there could be rain. I won't count that but, out. But
0: but that I, would make I, me upset. But Sooner Nader says thirty-eight thirty. O-U.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be a little lower scoring than that, but uh, I'm in the same type of spread, point spread there. And I agree that I think it's going to be close throughout. It, I, we're going to see a defensive matchup, in my opinion. I think Oklahoma's defense is really leading, leading the charge on this football team right now. Same thing with Oklahoma State. You've got a couple of quarterbacks that are capable of some really good things, but they're also the key to their team's downfall. And what do you do if your quarterback has great ability, but also can throw you out of a game, you pull back on the reins and you keep it conservative and you try and let your defense make the play, and give you the good field position to where you can score and (laughs) Never would I have thought that this game between these two teams would be played in this fashion, but I think it's going to be one of the more conservatively called games on both sides that we've seen in a long time. Now, teams are going to take their shot. They got Tyler Wallace. That's not a risky play, in my opinion, to push it down the field when he's got one-on-one, see if he can make a play or get a pass interference. Same thing with us, to push it down the field to Mims or push it down the field to Stogner. But as far as some of the other stuff that we see, man, I think it's going to be called pretty conservatively and be a, a lower scoring tight football game.
0: I, I really just have one question for this game. Will Oklahoma State's defense set the edge when OU runs GT counter?
1: <laughs> uh, if they don't, we're going to have a repeat from last year, and it's going to be all night long. I mean, they had to go to school on, on playing that thing, right? You ever I, seen a team run one one play that many times in a football game? Yeah, Army. <laughs> That's it.
0: Dive. It was it was unbelievable. I, I still I still remember how dumbfounded we were on the radio call going like, are they not
1: gonna set the edge? Are they just, just gonna keep uh, fitting it the same way, give up eighty eight to carry all the way down the field?
0: Oh, my gosh. So Amazing. So, that's my question. That's my question. I think it's going to be a hell of a football game. I think it's going to be really good, and I expect OU to win because I think Oklahoma State, if you can't trust your quarterback, it becomes awfully difficult to call plays. And you heard Robert talking about that offensive line, although it was interesting. Got a couple guys back. We'll see if we see those guys in this game, but it'll – It'll be interesting. I think it all comes down to the quarterbacks. Spencer Sanders, Spencer Rattler, who plays better, who's more efficient, who takes care of the football but also makes the big plays.
1: I mean, I hate to say this. It's such a, it's such a, a, a cop-out answer, and you, you just hear it week in, week out with every football game. But this game is going to be told by the turnover column. I mean, that's it. If Oklahoma turns the football over, you're going to have an Iowa State type of game, a Kansas State type of game, a Texas type of game where it's totally – it's tight. You feel like we're the better team, but for some reason this other squad is hanging around, hanging around. It's going to be because of turnovers. If we don't turn it over, if we win the turnover battle by one, two, three turnovers, we win this thing comfortably, maybe going away. So that's, I mean, I hate to oversimplify it, but that's, that's in my opinion, what it boils down to. If, if we turn the football over, we're going to be in for a dogfight.
0: Completely agree. All right, let's move on to the National College Football Roundup. That's brought to you by Insurica. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I N S U R I C A dot com. Okay, few pieces of college football news before we preview the marquee games of the weekend. Ole Miss, Texas AM, is postponed. Not a surprise. AM's got the Rona. Houston SMU. Has been postponed. Sounds like Houston finally, after all of their opponents had the Rona, it sounds like Houston now. They've got the Rona. And then the ACC has shuffled some games because Miami, yes, you guessed it, they got the Rona. So definitely some issues, Ted, but at this point in the season, you know, with that, what all the medical profet- professionals, the infectious disease experts, you know, kind of predicted for this time of the year, right? I, I don't think this is unexpected, but it's not like we're seeing half of the games in college football get canceled or anything like that. So it's, it's about what I thought it would be.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I still believe it's, it's not necessarily the virus that is really ravaging these squads, it's the contact tracing for the most part. Um, that's that's really hampered everyone, which, you know, that's just the nature of, of what's going to happen this year. Um, it's frustrating. Uh, I, I was interested in that Ole Miss-Texas A&M game. Uh, I, was, I wanted to see what Ole Miss was going to do, if they could put up some points there. Um, you know, it, it's frustrating, but honestly, I just – I I love how 2020 has changed everyone to where we take big game college football cancellations in stride when a year ago, if we had four, five, six football games canceled on the weekend, it would have been full on meltdown. How in the hell do we ever recover from this? This year, it's just you take it in stride and you move on and you do what you can next week. So, um it's kind of put all of that into perspective a little bit, I think, so it's frustrating, but you just gotta keep marching on and and hope that your team or your opponent has things under control
0: now teddy we're gonna we're gonna keep talking college football, but uh the thunder moved up Ooh. to get Minnesota's pick in the draft at number seventeen, and you are going to be so pissed off when you see who they drafted because. It it's is going to be
1: Europe. We've never heard of.
0: There you go. You get, you <laughs> nailed it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. But he is seven feet tall, which is cool. But right. I I'll try to figure out how to say his name before we talk about it and keep it in local. I'll I'll try, but uh, no promises.
1: Well, uh, if he's seven piece, foot tall and from Europe, if his name is at Giannis, I don't care. So, and I know it's not. So,
0: I, I think he's like eighteen years old. and really really skinny so
1: awesome there there we go (laughs) awesome
0: um hey let the tanking begin people all right uh some interesting news out of the pac 12 Uh, sounds like they're having some discussions about reinstating the team's ability to play non-conference games if a team has a game canceled but still like their roster they still have enough guys to play a game so that could get really interesting because I, I think we're going to see those exact situations
1: in the Pac-12 <laughs> over the BYU, next couple. Of weeks. We're talking to you is what basically what that is, right?
0: BYU. Listen, the second that USC, the second one of USC's opponents has to cancel the game, schedule the game and play it. Same BYU. If Oregon. If one of their opponents has to cancel and Oregon can still play, schedule
1: that game. That's your way into the playoff right there, BYU. I'm I don't know. I'm gonna pull it up. Have you who does BYU have left? Are they they have one game left? Two? Because they only have eight this year, right? Let's yeah, they're see. they're scheduling.
0: Uh, d- dude, when I tell you that they, they got- are favored by like one million points this weekend. U N A, it, it is a symbol. I remember seeing it, and I was like, "I've never even seen that symbol." I think it's North Alabama.
1: It is North Alabama Lions. What I was going to ask is, see, they've got this one, and then they don't have another one until December twelfth. But what I was going to ask is, like, would they drop Northern Alabama's ass to go play Oregon like last second? They How cool should. Would that be? I don't How cool think would that be. I don't think there
0: would be any hesitation at all. Like, I bet you in Texas would never agree to it. But right, that Kansas-Texas game is canceled because yeah. Kansas having COVID issues?
1: So is a and M. I I saw people saying Texas versus Texas A&M.
0: What about Texas
1: versus BYU. Yeah.
0: Now, Texas would never do that because that puts them in a lose-lose no lose
1: spot, right? No way. <laughs> but I, I mean, that's, that's the other part of it is I don't know that Oregon or USC is going to be signing up to play BYU either. I mean, they've kind of played themselves out of that role a little bit. Yeah.
0: They're playing too well. No one <laughs> right. wants to play them. <laughs> I already mentioned it, but uh, Texas-Kansas is postponed Uh, I think they're going to try to get that game in December 12th, the week before the Big 12 championship game. That's because, well, Kansas has got the Rona. And then uh, a good piece of news, uh, Grant Calcaterra uh, puts a statement out on Twitter that he will be going to Auburn. Now, uh, I know that we all just wish Grant the best, right, with – you know everything he dealt with at OU, all the head injuries, had some scary moments. But he's a hell of a football player, man, and he's he's a good guy. I, I hope I hope he succeeds. I hope he does well. I hope he does, Ted.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think him and Chandler Morris are going to make a really good team down there uh, at Auburn. I've the told SEC you that Empire. I think Chandler
0: Morris is going to be the starting quarterback at Auburn next year, don't I? I have I told you that.
1: No, we haven't talked about that, but I think he – I mean, he's not going to be at OU. I mean – No chance. He's, just, he's not. Too electric. Um,
0: electric factory,
1: that little right. guy. And, I mean, I love Calcaterra. I don't love Bo Nix. And the way I watch Bo Nix throw his wide receiver uh, into a cemetery against <laughs> Georgia, I, I hope that there's a, a new player – At the quarterback position for Grant Calcaterra. So.
0: Yes. So best of luck to Calcaterra. Grant, we hope that Bo Nix doesn't get you killed. (laughs) All right, Teddy, let's preview a couple of these games this weekend. And, you know, kind of the headliner. Number nine, Indiana. At number three, Ohio State. And a well-rested Ohio State takes on what? many would describe as the surprise team in all of college football. And and I'm not sure if this is a measuring stick game for Tom Allen in Indiana, but it is certainly a great opportunity, right, to showcase the program. Now, unfortunately, it's against what I think is the most talented team in college football, and that starts with Justin Fields and that Buckeyes offense. And they've had extra time to prepare for this game. But Indiana's defense, they, they have been so good at forcing turnovers. And Michael Penix and Ty Fogle and that Indiana offense, they've done a great job of converting those turnovers their defense is forcing into points. However, I do not see that happening in this football game, especially with Indiana's inability to run the football i mean you're not gonna go to the horseshoe and beat ohio state if you can't run the damn ball and india indiana cannot run the football so uh, i think ohio state they they just have too many athletes on both sides of the ball now teddy hear me out because you and i i, I think we both agree that moral victories are for losers that they, they are not a thing in our uh, in our world but what would be considered a good performance for Indiana? I'm not going to say moral victory, but I'm going to say a performance where they can walk off the field and be like, you know what? We were pretty damn competitive in that football game. I know they want to win the game. They're not going to, but is it keeping it close in the first half? And then, you know, Ohio state's depth and talent takes over in the second half. Is it, it's close going into the fourth quarter. Like, what's considered a good showing for Indiana in this game?
1: Well, I I think, like, for me, the measure would be the football game is worth having on the television until it's over. Right? If – That's a good way if, of putting it. If Ohio State is – you know, up by four touchdowns at halftime and you're on to something else, well, then Indiana didn't really end up showing well. But if they can keep uh, viewership attention throughout an entire football game against Ohio State, I think that's a job well done for them. I mean, you mentioned it, the the talent disparity between the two football teams is just so wide that it would take an amazing amount of screw-ups for Ohio State to, to keep Indiana in the in the thing. But Ohio State has had some really bad games in the past. Had a terrible game against Purdue, I think it was, in 18. Had a terrible game against uh, – who was it in 17 they lost a game and, and just played – it was Iowa. It was Iowa. Yeah. yeah. Just horrible. So they're not immune to putting just stinkers out there. I think they're past that. I think they're too good at quarterback and their their system that just take too good a care of the football. So I think Ohio State keeps it close, but I'm I'm anxious to see Penix and Friedfogel go out there and try to put Friedfogel <laughs> <folks. Fogle>. Friedfogel. <laughs> great name, dude. He, he was a monster. No, he in is in last they, game. They're fun, man. And I think everyone just everyone outside of Ohio State, but everyone likes a good story, like an in Indiana being 4-0 and leading the Big Ten East right now. That's It's a fun story, and we can all get behind that and cheer for them to go in and try and slay Goliath. So there's going to be a, a lot of eyes on the game whenever it starts. How many eyes are on it at the end, I think, is going to tell the story of whether or not Indiana lived up to the hype or not.
0: Yeah. All right, let's stick in the Big Ten. Number 10, Wisconsin, going to number 19, Northwestern. And it is a battle of the two undefeated teams in the Big Ten West. Now, Northwestern hasn't beaten anybody notable, but they're still undefeated. I mean, undefeated is undefeated. And they've been solid this year defensively, Uh Solid at stopping the run, and this just in, Wisconsin likes to run the football. That's that's kind of their thing. Now, I think Graham Mertz is going to be the key to this football game for the Badgers. Uh, Northwestern, they got all those nerds, right? And, And when you have nerds on defense, Teddy, you know this better than anyone, you can do some things that, make life difficult on quarterbacks. If you have players that really understand the scheme and know where they need to get post-snap, you can show them, you can show an opposing quarterback some pretty confusing things pre-snap and then move after the ball is snapped. So I think Northwestern's done that to some teams this year, and I think that's a big reason you see them having eight interceptions already this season, and Graham Mertz, he's going to have to trust what he sees post-snap because they are going to show him one picture before the snap, and then that picture is going to change, and that can make life very difficult on a young quarterback, but I don't expect to see much from Peyton Ramsey. In that Northwestern offense, it is as boring of an offense as you will see in college football, other than anyone that runs the triple option. Just a reminder, the triple option is the tool of Satan. But that Northwestern offense, they, they have been underwhelming. But this one is in Evanston, and that is not an easy place to play. And, and I could see this one being really boring and close.
1: Yeah, I haven't had a chance to watch Northwestern yet, but – I know Wisconsin really likes Mertz. Uh, He gives them a little bit more at quarterback, a little bit more of a playmaker there than they've had in a while. Now, that does come with some risks. He hasn't had problems turning the football over, um, you know, a lot yet, but it's always kind of right around the corner whenever a guy's a bit of a gunslinger like he is. So, it's something that you're going to have to watch there with Wisconsin. But I just want to know how much – the the two team parlay indiana northwestern to win outright would pay i mean it's got to be massive i would love that to happen not going to they're both probably going to lose and indiana may lose big but it's a fun story you got indiana and northwestern right now top of both of those divisions i think they both go down but hopefully we get some good football games out of it yeah
0: that, that would that's really all we want, right? We just want to right. be entertained. I don't want to watch two blowouts. I I hope those are games that go into the fourth quarter and you know have some intrigue. That would be nice for college football fans, but I, I just think that Ohio State's gonna to be too much for Indiana and Wisconsin. Remember, they're gonna get some guys back that they didn't have when they beat the dog shit out of Michigan. So That's something to remember. Like, they're going to be a better football team than they were last week. So, I I like the Badgers in that one, definitely. But you never know. Pat Fitzgerald, those kids, man, they're a tough bunch of kids. Yep. All right, one more game I wanted to look at, Ted, and that is Kansas State at number 17, Iowa State. Now, I think Iowa State is going to win this football game as long as Brock Purdy doesn't throw it away, literally, like as long as he doesn't throw it to Kansas State, sure. Iowa State will win this game. Uh, I just think K-State, they continue to be too limited offensively, especially in the passing game. I think teams have started to figure out how to slow down Deuce Vaughn and his production. Now, Will Howard, he, is, he has shown some flashes. That dude can run a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that is a big athlete, but I just don't think he's developed enough as a passer yet, Ted. And I don't think Iowa State's defense in that scheme is when he's going to start figuring it out in the passing game. I I don't think that's that's how that's going to work. Now, I think we're all expecting another big day from Brees Hall, who, just a reminder, is still the nation's leading rusher but the, the real question for this matchup, in my mind, Ted, is who should OU and OU fans, who should they be cheering for in this game? Because it's a little weird, right? These are the two teams that OU lost to. But Iowa State's 5-1 and one in the conference. Kansas State's 4-2. Both teams have the tiebreakers over OU. Iowa State has Texas and West Virginia left. They could definitely lose one of those games. And Kansas State has Baylor and Texas left. So, if both of those teams get to three losses, that's the best thing for Oklahoma, right? That makes life easier. My question is, do OU fans
1: actually want Iowa State to lose this game? I think so. I think so. I I think so. If if Iowa State loses and Oklahoma wins – your path becomes, you know, quite a bit better because all you need is – you just need one more game at that point. Right. Um, if Kansas State wins, you need two more, right?
0: Because Kansas can't, can't State has two conference losses.
1: I mean, sorry, I said so, that wrong. You want Kansas State to win because if Iowa State wins, you need, you need two things to happen. Right.
0: So that, that's how I kind of understood it was if Iowa state loses, then Kansas state and Iowa state, they both have two losses and they both can get to three losses very easily with the schedule that they have remaining. Yeah. And uh, now of course, ou has got to take care of their business, right? They got to win out. That's,
1: I mean, that's just what it is. You're but. still pulling for Texas, man. At the end of the day, you're still pulling for Texas. That's true. If you win out, in Texas wins out. It takes care of itself. See you, Longhorns. There in Jerry's world. Gross.
0: <laughs> Cheering for Texas.
1: Oh, I know it. Ugh. I know it. Just feel
0: okay. Um, there's. I didn't think we needed to really break them down, but there are two really good Group of Five matchups this weekend. Uh, App State travels to undefeated. What number fifteen? I think they're fifteen still. Yeah. Coastal Carolina, and we'll see if the Chanticleers can stay unbeaten. And then a game that I think a lot of people are excited to watch. Number seven, Cincinnati, goes to UCF. That should be a really entertaining game. There's going to be some talent on the field in that game. You're going to see some guys that will play on Sundays.
1: I mean, I'm telling you, if Cincinnati, I I think they'll win that football game. But if they can go in there – and, you know, shut down Gabriel and shut down that UCF offense. I mean, we already know that their defense is for real, right? We've seen it over and over and over, but that would kind of be the icing on the cake to prove that, yeah, this team is legit and they deserve to be there with uh, the other Power Five football teams. So it's a big one for them. And I'd hate to see a team play this well for this long have a chance at the playoff this late in the season and give it up with a bad performance. So, uh, I hate to say this, Josh Heupel, but I'm pulling for Cincinnati because I'm sorry, but I want to see a non power five team in the college football playoff. Like what the hell do I care if it's, you know, Ohio state, Alabama, Florida, and Clemson. I, I see something like that every single year. Give me something new, you know? So, I'm going for Cincinnati.
0: Let's get weird. I think that's what you're trying to say.
1: As Robert Allen said earlier in the show, it's 2020, guys. Right?
0: Let's get weird. All right, Ted, let's move on to our segments. Let's start with our winners and losers of the week. And Teddy's winners and losers are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. All right, Ted, who do you have as your winner of the week?
1: This I may choke on this as it's coming out, but LeVar Ball. I mean, I think the guy is a total moron. I can't stand to listen to anything that he says. I, I, As soon as the camera pans to him, I get up and leave the room. I don't want to give him any moment of my time, but... The more everyone called him an idiot and said how stupid he is and rooted against his sons because of that, he's had two lottery picks. What? The only two brothers ever to be picked, um, what, they go one and three or two and three in the – Two
0: Two and three, yeah, because Lonzo went second overall a couple drafts ago and LaMelo just went third overall. In tonight's NBA draft to the Hornets, which I cannot wait for Michael Jordan and the Ball family to mingle. Oh, what what could go wrong, Teddy?
1: What could go wrong? Oh my god! I, I mean, that's hey, that's just a total disaster waiting to happen. But I I I had to give the the pops, some props to having the two boys go that high in the draft. Um, I guess he gets the last laugh. So I'll give him winner status for a very short amount of time.
0: Do you think all the ESPN shows will start having him on again now?
1: Probably. Because he, he's like, he's just disappeared. I know. I, I, his his son or wife or someone probably had to say you have got to shut up and get lost. You you, you are sabotaging my career. You've got to get out of here.
0: How so. about this? LeVar, if you want to come on the podcast, you know, just holler at us. We'll yeah. entertain you, man. Come on.
1: Oh man, I I would uh, just
0: whoof. I would just want to see your reaction. That's all I would want to see is your reactions throughout that interview.
1: It'd be brutal. That would be so brutal. But, hey, I'm open to it. Let's go. Bring him on.
0: Whatever it takes in the name of content. All right, (laughs) then. who do you have as your loser
1: of the week? Uh, Since it's the NBA draft, I figured I would go ahead and get this in here uh, once and for all, my only shot at it. Uh, Sam Presti for the – I know it's – we've all moved on. Everyone's moved on except for me, but I would make him the loser right now because this this whole – the whole situation the Thunder in, it just reminds me of the worst trade in the history of professional sports. Oklahoma City will never win a championship. Because of that horrible trade, gay bikers, when we sent James Harden to Houston. It killed it. It ruined it. It's over. And I wish he'd just stop trying and doing all these fancy things. Just get Blake Griffin and Buddy Hill here. No one cares anymore. We're not going to win a championship. <laughs> just bring us some guys that we want to watch play. Okay? It's over. The ship has sailed. You had a once-in-a-lifetime, the once history of the league group of young talent right there together, and you let it go. The NBA, Gabe, they made the rules of the league so teams like Oklahoma City can hang on to talent like this whenever they get it. But we didn't want to pay him a couple we didn't, a couple million dollars. James Harden just turned down a $100 million extension, no big deal, and we let him go over $3 million. So, you know, Golden State, that crap like Kevin Durant, oh, we would have won if we would have played better against Golden State. You know, KD, there is no Golden State if James Harden stays in Oklahoma City. They're a blip. They're nothing. LeBron James, he, Miami, they win the one title against the Thunder. The Thunder win it next year. We're not talking about LeBron James, how he is now. They would have ripped off championship after championship after championship. Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Serge Ibaka, all on the same team, all at the very beginning of their careers and we let it go. <sighs> Loser of the week.
0: Man, that made me sad. Thanks, Teddy. <laughs> Thanks, Teddy. Making me sad.
1: I'm, you know, I'm, I'm over it, though, you know. Yeah,
0: clearly. You know. Clearly. It's, uh, it's not sticking with you. You know, and I don't think about it, like, on a daily basis. <laughs> you want to know a true story? This is how shocked I was when that happened. Because remember – Harden had a year left on his deal. They didn't have to do it, right? And right. I, I, I understand. Like I, I we've gone well, down this road so many times. You said The
1: other day that you did not play good in that Notre Dame game. Is it? Well, because I had a couple bad the, plays. Uh, okay. This is. I was wondering uh, if yes. you found out the Harden news right before you took the field.
0: <laughs> no, this is this is true. Just played the game, right? You know how. After the game, you come out of the locker room, your family's right there. Go and talk to your family, you know, right outside the Switzer Center. And I go out there, I'm talking to my family, and I'm talking to my uh, now wife. And she's telling me how good I played. And I'm like, well, I got my ass kicked on a couple plays. That's the first time that's ever happened. And she's like, you know, you played well. Like it just, you know, they're a good team. And I was like, you're right, they are a good team. And so we're walking to the car and I finally start looking at my phone and I look at it and it's like my brother's like, the Thunder traded James Harden and I just said, "The Thunder fucking traded James Harden?" <laughs> what? And I looked at her, I was like, why didn't you tell me? She was like, I knew you'd be so mad. You love him so much. And I was like, what? And that was like, I was bummed about the game, but that just sent me like off a cliff. I went straight and found the nearest whiskey <laughs> bottle,
1: man. I was not in, I was not in good shape. Uh, the, the, the thing that frustrates me the most out of this deal is it was like, well, you know, we're a small market team and. You know, we don't want to dip into the luxury tax. We've been in the luxury tax ever since that happened. Nonstop, basically, the whole time. we have just hanging out there, getting hammered, hammered. Luxury tax, luxury tax, luxury tax. But we wouldn't do it for Harden.
0: Well, you're going to be thrilled (laughs) when you see who the Thunder moved up to take with the 17th pick (laughs) i might keep holding on to it teddy i found i found a player comp i found a little write-up on them that i'm gonna read you Uh, i am very excited all right my winners and losers are brought to you by sound advice a lot of us are watching our favorite football teams from home this year which is why you need to get ready for game day with a home theater system from our friends at sound advice and also thunder season right around the corner get set up people Sound Advice can customize your home entertainment system indoors or outdoors. Sound Advice did the Wi-Fi network and all the audio visual at my new house, and it is awesome. They hide all the wires in the cable boxes, so it looks great, and I can control every TV in my house from my phone, and my internet has been flawless for the best home theater systems in the Oklahoma City area. Call Sound Advice at 504. That's not right. That's definitely not right. 504, that's not the area code in Oklahoma City. 504
1: boys, that's uh, New Orleans, right? 504 boys. What? What?
0: You (laughs) heard that song? That was a good one. All right, Uh, sound advice number is 405-549-3880, or you can visit them at soundadviceokc.com. My winner of the week, it's got to be Jameis Winston, man. Uh, I mean, it absolutely has he. It it comes out that Drew Brees has five fractured ribs. Sounds like one side happened in one game. The other side happened in another game. Andy's got a collapsed lung. I mean, yikes. That, That sounds awful for the future Hall of Famer. Oh, by the way, former teammate. No big deal. Now, we saw Jameis in the second half against the 49ers, but this is really his opportunity to resurrect his career Teddy, and that's, that's what Teddy Bridgewater did, right, with, with the Saints. He, he was able to do some really good things. What went 5-0 and oh, when Breeze got hurt last season, and that made Teddy Bridgewater a shit ton of money, $63 million to be exact. I looked it up. <laughs> Jameis Winston has the chance to do something very similar. He went to New Orleans to rehab his career. He went there to learn from Drew Brees and Sean Payton. He could not ask for a better opportunity than this. They've got the Falcons on Sunday. And, and I, am, I am very interested to see this New Orleans offense because I love Drew Brees. Uh, I think he's one of the best ever, but I don't think it's any secret that his lack of arm strength at this point in his career has maybe been holding that offense back a little bit when it comes to pushing the ball down the field. So I'm interested to see if Jameis can do that, if he can bring that to this offense. Now, I'm sure we'll see some of Taysom Hill. Like, I, I understand. They paid him a lot of money. They're going to use him in some situations. But I think they're going to go with Jameis, and I'm glad because the Interfell is a more entertaining league when Jameis Winston is starting at quarterback for a team. It just is. It's just a scientific fact, Teddy.
1: Hold on to your butts. Now, I don't know in the grand scheme of things what this is going to mean for New Orleans in the rest of their season or however long it is that that breezes out. But what I do know is that fantasy owners of Michael Thomas out there You just hit the lottery, because Winston is going to be ripping rail balls to Michael Thomas all day long. He's going to be throwing picks. He's going to be throwing interceptions. He's going to be fumbling in the pocket, but he's going to be ripping the ball downfield over and over and over, and it should turn into some big offensive numbers. Now, he's going to put their defense in some horrible positions, but... I bet their their points, their productivity is going to go up quite a bit on the offensive end. Don't, it's not going to make them a better football team, but they're going to score more points and put up more yards.
0: It's going to be more entertaining, is right. what it's going
1: to be. That's and
0: it. it's like I said, it's a great opportunity for him. in Jameis is young. It's not like he's some washed quarterback. Like, and he got his vision fixed. Come on. He'll be fine.
1: He's got to do it. He'll be fine. But I,
0: I I, am excited to see him play. I'm excited to see what that offense looks like. All right, Ted, my loser of the week, it's got to be Tom Herman. It, it, it just has to be. And wait, on, on one hand, he's kind of the winner of the week because that Kansas game getting canceled basically gives him two weeks to get ready for Iowa State, which I think – is a big advantage for them because Iowa state's got to worry about that Kansas state game this week and Texas who has been banged up, they can, including Ellinger, right? They can get healthy and basically put two weeks of prep into that Iowa state game. So I I think that's a big advantage for them, but there's that. And then there's what we heard from Tom Herman earlier in the week. And Maybe it's because, and I'm sure you feel the same way, but maybe it's because we played for Stoops, who literally wrote a book called No Excuses. When I hear coaches making excuses, it really, really bugs me because I always view the head coach of a college program as someone that is supposed to put all the blame on them and deflect all the praise to everyone else. Like that that's just kind of how I view that position. Like if your team loses, you come out you say, "You know what? That's on me. I got to coach better. I got to get these kids ready to play. It's it's my fault." Don't blame them, blame me. Like that's just kind of how I feel head coaches should act. Maybe that's maybe things have changed. Maybe maybe I'm starting to get a little old school in my thinking. My god, I'm getting old. How about that? But Tom Herman comes out, and I'll give him credit. He opens up about the rumors when it comes to Urban Meyer, you know, being a, a guy that could be the next head coach at Texas, right? A guy that Texas fans are pushing for. He addresses that and says that his players know that that isn't true. And, like, that's great. But then he starts opening up about his job status and, he talks about how great of relationship he has with Chris Del Conte and, you know, how his players know the truth and they know what's fake. But then he blames writers and people that cover the team. He says that they are writing articles that make it hard for him to recruit because the articles that, you know, have unnamed sources and aren't based in fact, like, are are being read by impressionable 16-year-olds. Like that's what he said. And it it I I just don't understand it. It just it, it's just excuses, man. It, it's just excuses. Like everyone gets negative recruited. Like Lincoln Riley was just getting negative recruited because people thought he was gonna be the next head coach for the Dallas Cowboys. Like that happened. You didn't hear Lincoln bitching about it. I I don't understand his strategy blaming people that are writing articles for his recruiting was what, because he lost the Quinn Ewers kid who was the number one recruit in the country, right? Because he couldn't get those two offensive linemen. I think it's what whatever they like the Bachmeyer twins or whatever the hell their name was. Like two guys that their dad played at Texas. I think their granddad played there too, but like you're going to blame people writing articles that are mean about you. Like, how about you win some damn games? That will solve all your problems, Tom Herman. Win games. Stop making excuses. Stop making it sound like you're the only team. He brings it up every press conference. Texas is not the only team that missed spring ball and missed training camp and was installing new things on offensive defense. There's a lot of teams that did that, Tom. And the reason you had to install a new offensive defense is because you've Fired your offensive coordinator and your defensive coordinator. That was a decision you made. So I'm tired. Ty- I'm just I'm tired of this guy making excuses. It's ridiculous, Ted.
1: Well, the excuses are ridiculous. What I love is that he's so dead set and knows that Urban Meyer is not going to be the next next coach there. I'll break some news to him. If Urban Meyer said, hey, yeah, I think I'd coach there at Texas, they would fire Tom Herman's ass in a second to hire Urban Meyer. So all of this, like, that's not true. My players know the truth. No, 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 they don't. The only person that knows the truth is Urban Meyer because all he has to do is make one phone call and uh, you're coaching Sam Houston State down the road or something. So, uh, no, that you're right, though. I mean, every team in college football that's recruiting a player against another team is going to say this is why our school is a better choice than their school. Uh, one of them is maybe the guy that's coaching you is not going to be there. So there's nothing new with that. Now, I will say this. It's way better whenever Lincoln has to shoot down rumors that he's taking the Dallas Cowboys job than Herman shooting down rumors <laughs> yeah, that, that maybe he wasn't, he's about to get fired. But that maybe wasn't my
0: best it's, example.
1: It's the same point, though. Why would you go to this school when you're recruiting, being recruited by this guy whenever you don't know if he's going to be there? So, no, I'm yeah. with you 100%. Yeah. Just win games. Hey, and I don't know if you guys heard this but you know we weren't able to have spring football this year so it's been really tough on us. Yeah. We yeah, we know, Tom. We've heard that.
0: Yeah, uh, Tom, we know. It it literally <laughs> happened to every team in the country. Please stop making excuses. I know it's it, it's hard to install offense and defense via Zoom. I know. But you got to win games. You got to win games. Come on. Tom. Right. All right, Teddy, let's wet the beak. And Wet the Beak is brought to you by Tim Hughes Custom Homes. Are you looking to build your dream home? If so, Tim Hughes is the man you're looking for. Tim Hughes Custom Homes is a one-stop shop for all your home building needs. He can find you a lot. He can find you an architect. He'll find you financing and Of course, he can build your dream home exactly the way you want it. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, Tim found my wife and me a lot. He found us an architect and built our new house. Tim and his team are so easy to work with, and he is still helping us when We have questions about things around the house. He's also built several office buildings. So, if your business is looking to build a custom office, Tim Hughes is your man. You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Gallardia, Nickel Sills, Oak Tree, Stone Mill, and Rose Creek. It is a great time to build the house of your dreams. For more information and to see Tim's spectacular work, visit his Instagram page at Tim Hughes Custom Homes or visit Tim Hughes Custom Thursday night football. Normally, Terrible, or it feels that way. Although we've gotten a couple good Thursday night games this year. But, Ted, we have an absolute gem for Thursday night football this week. Fresh off the Hale Murray, Kyler, and the Cardinals head to Seattle to take on a suddenly struggling Russell Wilson and the Seahawks in a battle for first place. In the NFC West, I mean, that whoever wins this game will be in first place in that division. And Seattle, de- Seattle's defense comes into this game, I, I guess struggling is the best word. Uh, a lot of people say they're the worst defense in the league. They are statistically the worst pass defense in the league. And that seems to be affecting the way that Russell Wilson is playing, when I watch this team, it really looks like he's playing quarterback like a guy that knows his defense is going to give up a shit ton of points. <laughs> right. I mean, that's what it looks like. Like, he is he's trying to make some plays that just aren't there. And uh, I'm not sure if it's, he thinks he needs to take more chances because that defense is so bad, or, or maybe he's just not seeing things well. I, I don't know what's going on. With Wilson, but if that's the case, if he's worried about what his defense is doing, DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray coming to town is not going to make Russell Wilson feel any better. Because this Cardinals offense, you got to give Cliff some some credit. I, I think he's really adjusted nicely in the NFL. But this this Cardinals offense is fun to watch. They play with pace. They run a lot of plays. Kyler's probably the most entertaining player in the league right now, especially at the quarterback position. Maybe him and probably some people would say Mahomes, but I think it's definitely close. And I just – I like the Cardinals coming in this game. Now, I, I know that the Seahawks are a three-point favorite at home, but I guess if you're looking for anything to be excited about when that Seahawks defense is so bad, Ted, at least you can still look at DK Metcalf. I mean, that guy looks amazing.
1: Yeah, uh, this is a fascinating football game. You know, one of the problems with Seattle and Russell Wilson is he has been under constant pressure. I mean, he could barely get the football off against the Rams. It was horrible. They were getting beat uh, across the board on pretty much every passing down. Now, I think Seattle wins the game and maybe i'm making too much of this maybe i'm not but it's going to be 45 degrees in raining in seattle did you ever play in arizona yes beautiful indoor stadium weather out there is fantastic grass
0: indoors grass.
1: You can, like, when you're running down the field, it's like you can hear it. It's hollow underneath you. It's pretty cool. But they've played their last three games at home. Before that, they were at Cowboys playing in Jerry's World. I mean, it's been a long time since they've played any football at all exposed to the elements. Seattle lives kind of in that nasty mess up there. I think they're used to it. Uh, Russell Wilson has played football in that crap quite a bit. He's used to it. Maybe I'm making too much of it, but I think this Arizona offense playing in that horrible Seattle weather is going to really affect them. Um, I think the connection to DeAndre Hopkins is is not going to be as good. I think Kyler may struggle a little bit in, in that stuff, so maybe I'm making too much of it, but give me Seattle. Weather guy. Love it. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I mean Whenever they've been as protected as they have been there in Arizona playing indoors, I just I think you go from that to an all out rainstorm and it's forty five degrees outside. I mean, that's that's a pretty massive shift. And you can't replicate that there in Arizona. It's not like you're gonna say, Yeah, we're gonna go outside and practice in the conditions today, boys. Get use, get ready for Seattle. No can't do that
0: now Russell Wilson's thrown seven interceptions in his last four games but then fair point weather <laughs> no one likes playing in shitty weather I agree that it's a hey, it's sound logic so uh, I've got the Cardinals yeah I'll uh, I'll give me those three points and, and you got the Seahawks seems fair I like it I like when we disagree we'll see all right Teddy, let's finish happens. let's finish up with keeping it local where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma. That's brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. As schools reopened in the fall, parents wanted to provide the best possible educational experience and spiritual development for their children. That's why they sent them to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A one-to-one iPad setting makes McGinnis students fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home. A 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no student is overlooked. In addition to athletic clubs and programs, Athletic programs and clubs. Jeez. Bishop mcginnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. (laughs) Financial aid is available. For more information, visit bmchs.org. Bmchs.org. All right. So the NBA draft is going on right now. So, Teddy, I'm going to keep, I'm going to catch you up to speed with what's happening. So, we talked about The Thunder trading Dennis Schroeder last episode. Remember? And that trade will be official tonight. So then the Thunder sent Danny Green and Terrence Ferguson to Philly for Al Horford, a 2025 first round pick, and the number 34 pick tonight, which has not happened quite yet. We will finish recording this before the 34th pick happens. And frankly, who cares about second rounders anyone right. that gets picked in the second round of any professional sports draft is a loser
1: <laughs> fair point fair it's true it's, it doesn't matter football softball whatever it is
0: teddy got picked in the second round
1: that's why <laughs> it's funny people I can that's confirm, why it's is a loser but
0: chris paul was traded to phoenix and he's apparently already working out with devin booker but the Thunder are getting Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, Jalen Lequeux, Ty Jerome, and a 2022 first-round pick. Abdul Nader also went to Phoenix in that trade. Do you have all of that down? Teddy, you got it?
1: Uh, yes, just because I'm looking at it here in the rundown. But, yeah. That's just the beginning of it, too, right? (laughs) Of what's going on. (laughs) Here we go.
0: So remember that Ricky Rubio came in the Chris Paul trade,
1: right? Well,
0: Sam Presti took Ricky Rubio and the number 25 and number 28 picks. Remember, they got the Lakers pick in that trade. They got their first-round pick in that trade for Schroeder. So he took the Thunder's first-round pick, the Lakers' first-round pick, and Ricky Rubio packaged that, sent it to the Minnesota Timberwolves for the 17th pick in tonight's draft. Where they selected, are you ready? Are yeah. you prepared? Yep. Alexei Pukachevsky. Pukachevsky. I think it's okay. Or is it Alexei, Alexei? Okay. I'm going out on a limb here. I don't know how to say this man's name, and I will learn, because that's one of my pet peeves. I didn't have time. He got drafted when we were recording the podcast. I'm sorry, people. I apologize. Alec- Alexei, A-L-E-K-S-E-J. Now, I assume the J is silent, right? It's got to be Alexei. It's right? just
1: Alex. Okay.
0: I don't think that's right, but we can call him (laughs) Alex.
1: (laughs) I don't know what it is. It's got to be Alexei. Pokuchevsky,
0: P-O-K-U-S-E-V-S-K-I. Here's some details, Ted, on our man, Alexei Pokuchevsky. I guarantee you that is just wrong, or maybe (laughs) it's perfect. But the Thunder selected him with the number 17 pick and he's 7 feet tall. Nice. Right. Being tall, good for basketball. Now Teddy, I want you to venture a guess at what this young man weighs. He is an 18-year-old. He's the youngest person in this draft. Maybe he's not even 18. I could be wrong, but he's young and he is he's a skilled guy.
1: What Definitely. position?
0: He plays power forward slash center. He is okay. seven feet tall. I would like you to guess how much he weighs. Seven feet tall. It's a lot of tall. That's that's tall.
1: He weighs He weighs a hundred kilos. What's that like? Two hundred and twenty pounds.
0: A hundred kilos is your guess. Yes. Alexi Pokachevsky. <laughs> weighs 201 pounds. Oh, seven Ooh. foot 201. Um, uh, I'm reading something from Jonathan Wasserman's uh, scouting report. Jonathan Wasserman covers the, uh, covers the NBA draft for bleacher report. Very, very closely respected man. And his pro comparison for Pokuchevsky is bowl bowl. So I think that gives you a, a mental image of how thin and anyone that's new to the podcast, Teddy and I aren't huge fans of skinny basketball players.
1: It's, uh, it's, it's not our favorite thing. <laughs> let, let me compare him to the skinniest guy I've ever seen in my whole entire life. Great.
0: So, this is the scouting report, though, from Jonathan Wasserman. Pokachevsky could be the wild card who eventually makes the 2020 draft class look stronger than its current perception. He's the youngest prospect in the class with a special skill set for a seven-footer that includes advanced shooting versatility, open floor handles, flashy passing instincts, and an active shot-blocking motor. Oh, where's he from Serbia? (laughs) Uh, The seven foot Serbian
1: Alexey
0: Pokachevsky.
1: Okay. I mean, maybe he's going to be good, but he won't even, he won't even come into the continental United States for the next four or five years.
0: I don't know. Hopefully it's not that long, but a little more about him. Pokachevsky spent the past few years with the Greek club Olympiakos, which is the past a big deal.
1: few years, he's 18.
0: Dude, they start him young in Europe. <laughs> <I> <laughs> Come guess on, man. So. <laughs> Especially when you're seven feet. But That's
1: cool. It's worthless.
0: He, this is where you're going to love this. He saw limited action with the senior team. He played 11 games with the developmental team in Greece's second division. Averaging 10.8 points, 7.9 rebounds per game, he also averaged 1.8 blocks. 7'3 uh, wingspan on the seven-footer. How about that? So he didn't even play in the top Greek league. He was in the uh, he was in the B league. <laughs> Teddy, he pay he played for Olympiacos's uh, B team.
1: When you said. He had limited time with the seniors. I was imagining this kid out there with a bunch of 65-year-olds playing basketball.
2: (laughs) But, hey. Oh, my God.
0: Tall guy with some skills. We'll see. But now I'm, I'm not very good at math. And who knows when this kid comes over, like you said. But.
1: Never. Uh, he will never come over here. He will never play one minute of basketball stop it? for the Thunder. You, I'm just telling you. Stop never. it with the He'll negativity. Never damn play it. here.
0: Or he will be the key cog to a championship team, Teddy.
1: Start well, planning like, the
0: parade, bud. 2025.
1: Okay. <laughs> I'm planning it. But but now <laughs> the uh,
0: the Thunder just drafted a center, and they've got Al Horford. Who is scheduled to make 20.73 million this year? and Steven Adams, still a member of The Thunder, as we record this podcast, uh, he is going to make 25 million. So
3: that's a lot of
0: cash into the center position.
1: The, okay. No one else uh, has anymore, but OK.
0: Are you are you all right? I feel like I feel like the Thunder has broken you, man. Is it because they, they drafted have. a seven foot, two hundred and one pound human being that we could, uh, we could we could knock him over with one arm, right?
1: <laughs> seven foot tall, two hundred pounds. I mean, for reference, we've got a guy on our football team that's five eight, two hundred pounds in Buki. I mean. This guy's almost two feet taller than him and weighs the same amount. And, by the way, Buki is the smallest player on the field, by far. They have the same uh, weight in their... Hey,
0: he's a project, and I <laughs> I, I know Thunder fans don't want to hear this, but the, the Thunder need to be the worst team in the league this year. Okay, I said it. I said it. It would be the best thing for
1: us. I said it. I'm sorry. I said it. The best thing for us is to stop this charade and trade for Buddy Hield, Blake Griffin, and be mediocre. That's what we need to do.
0: <sighs> and on that note, <laughs> episode 61 in the books. We'll have a new podcast. that will drop Monday morning. We'll be recapping Bedlam with our man, Brandon Whedon. So hopefully OU stomps Oklahoma State and we can make fun of Whedon. But he'll be joining us on Sunday night. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. And you can hear me from 3 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great weekend. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each
3: other.